For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 365 of This Old Marketing for Friday, March 3rd, 2023. And with me, as always, my pal, my colleague, and back from vacation, a guy who's made only slightly more money than Cocaine Bear did this weekend, Mr. <laughs> Joe Polizzi. Were you first in line to see Cocaine Bear? I was not first in line. I have not seen the movie I don't yet, think that I you'll have, see. You, you don't seem like the kind of person that would watch Cocaine Bear. I, you know, here's the thing. I am the kind of person who would watch Cocaine Bear, but not... I'm not going to the theater for it. I'm, I'm waiting for that bad boy to come to streaming. I I would, but I I, I love the I, I love the. I mean, it looks awesome. It I does mean, in not so many look horrible awesome. ways. It looks. Is it does? Oh, I don't it really think, does. I think you'd have to be in a certain frame of mind or frame of being to sit through Cocaine Bear. But at least you know well, what you're getting. Are you, su- are you suggesting that I might have to alter my mental state? There might some- be edibles involved. Not that I'm okay, promoting that, go. but I I could see I could see that happen. It's almost like um, what does Seth Rogen came out with? Uh, this is the end. Like, yeah, which I did see as yeah, well. And I, I you knew what, you great. knew what kind of movie you were getting into with that one. I think if you know what you're getting into, well, yeah, that's the whole point. I know. Which is why it's such a great movie for streaming because you're in your home, you're safe on the couch. It might. It be after an edible or two, or it might be after a couple of good tequila shots. It, it's just it's the it's the perfect like Friday evening stupid movie. I mean, but and by the way, it did very well over the. It did much better than expected over the weekend. It did. Oh, I had know, no the, the box I, I had, Did it do better than uh, Quantumanium oh, from Ant Man or whatever? Uh, it did actually. It did. no. It it, it, abs- it absolutely did. The the uh, uh, I'm. Relatively speaking, Quantumania, the Ant-Man movie, has fallen off a cliff, apparently. Uh, and uh, and Cocaine Bear did much better than expected. Now, and I think that's in a relative term. I'm not sure, because there will be the number of theaters, too, that it was released in. I can actually do the research in real time here if we want to look at it. But uh, <clears throat> Anyway, well, we, we, but, we went. Yeah. I, I was interested to hear about the Ant-Man thing because we actually went to see the movie a couple days ago on uh, on Super yeah. Tuesdays, Discount Tuesdays for AMC, which we absolutely yeah. love. And there was nobody in the theater. Absolutely. And, and usually on Tuesdays, because it's $5 Tuesday, you, you get everybody to come out to a movie. Nobody was there. And I really do yeah. believe that with the Marvel set, and I don't know what your take is, but the Marvel set of movies right now, there's just, you can do anything. And because of the multiverse, anything is possible. So you're look, you're like, what is going? There's so many things going on, and just the weirdest stuff in these movies, because there's no, uh, there's no constriction on the plot at all. It's like, oh, we could just do that. We can bring that in. We could do that. I don't know what your take is, but that's where I think Marvel movies are going to struggle right now for a while. Oh, hundred percent. I, I think the, I think. The whole, you know, there, there, and there are people in both of our uh, social media feeds who are like fanatics about this uh, and know the Marvel universe and uh, the whole thing much better than we do. But my understanding is this whole move to the Phase Five or whatever yeah. it is, sort of the moving out of the, you know, the Avengers-centered uh, idea and moving into the Phase, what they call Phase Five, has been bumpy at best. Um, and they have not they have they've opened it too wide in my in in my opinion and and they don't have an anchor right where what what they had with iron man and and robert downey jr uh and tony stark was an anchor right they could anchor everything in that and create the avengers and create the, you know the whole the whole series and had a great big wonderful arc here there is no you don't feel like there's any anchor and I know they're trying to do some of that with Spider-Man and they're trying to do some of it with Ant-Man here and, and all of that. But it just doesn't it feels a little rudderless at the moment. Like I 
and there's too much of it, right? There's, 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 there's. I think you, you've got a lot of people who are suffering from this. Is the the same complaint I, I hear now about the Star Wars franchises is that there's just too much. There, I don't think that's true. By the way, on the Star Wars thing, it's been <laughs> quite easy to keep up with the Star Wars stuff. Um, although I will tell you, I watched the first episode of Mandalorian and was kind of disappointed. Oh, did you? I'm, you know, I was going to wait yeah. and watch it with my son, and and when, well, when I'm around. I'm giving it. Yeah, I'm giving it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot and, and see where it turns out and say, okay. I'm, but, yeah, it, it did not bode well. Let's put it that, oh, that I'm way. I'm going to have to. But, you know, but was, again, uh, Andor was the same way. You you know, that's the first true. three that's, were that's not exactly good, why. and that yes. that turned out really well, as you yes, told Yes, exactly me right, which is why I'm giving it a shot. Like, I, okay. It's like, all right, I, I give you that one, right? It was... I mean, I'm not giving anything away. No spoilers here or anything, but what? But there's a lot of like, you know, Grogu peeking around a corner, and oh, isn't he cute? Oh, and oh, geez. isn't it? You know, there's a lot of that. There's a, there's just a lot of that. It's, so like, it's like it's okay. just like jumping jumping the shark a little bit, little yeah. bit, little bit, little well, bit. But I but again, I'm giving it time. I'm giving it time. Well, before you know, I, before we get too far in, I wanted to send yeah. a, a thanks out to Paul Ratzer for for covering for me. Uh, great show both of you i mean obviously the man knows everything there is to know about marketing and ai so he was the proper person and, and you had a really good conversation around it was that. fun and, and yeah, I, the good thing it. is 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 when you find out that you're not necessary <laughs> i don't really know how to feel <laughs> no no here's the thing that's you know isn't it isn't it sort of that you know there's that classic isn't that the ceo's uh, dream to have an organization that operates well when he or she is not there. That's correct. Right. You know, okay. So if you don't have an ego, look it, that's it that exactly way. the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> this is the way. <laughs> no, but we had a lot of comments on social and people saying yeah, it was it such was great. a great episode. And there were one or two comments that said they missed me. So thank you for those well, two I people. Missed you. I know you I did. Missed you. You, you, I missed you. I missed you. It was it was strange. It was strange not, you know, whatever. And by the way, you and I talked about this before the show. 365 episodes seems significant. It seems like it is It does. A you level. could you could listen to our podcast every day for a year. And that and you would and you would run the you would run the series. That that's Oh my goodness! Yeah. And, it, and it just takes me back to 2013. We've been doing this for 10 years, and now we have a full year of episodes. And yeah. what do we have to show for it? This is, isn't this where we can go into syndication? Isn't this where <laughs> the big it. money's supposed to come? Where we can go into syndication? And, We're going to be like and, Cheers uh, or Family Ties or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. We're have gonna, it run on TBS yeah. or something. Yeah, ER, <laughs> Friends. What other shows can we throw out? That That's got right. to that level. Oh, that, but Seinfeld. what is that for? For television, right. it was always a hundred episodes, right? Five years. Well, it's five. It's yeah, five years or a hundred episodes. Yeah, episodes. basically. Yeah, because basically you have twenty. You have, this is this is uh, bringing back my old TV days. Um, you had twenty. You would have twenty three episodes usually, or twenty two episodes in a series uh, season, and then so roughly five years, right? It's in your fifth year that you would hit a hundred episodes, and that was when you could you could you could launch into syndication and that was the big money. I mean, when you hit syndication, boo, that's the, I mean, you, you get paid all over again as an actor, as a writer, uh, director on the show, you get, you get, you get paid all over again. And it's just, it's, it's like free money. It's just, it's just free, free money. But I mean, I got to tell you, it was strange because, uh, so it's Thursday and I was on and we took, I didn't tell anybody beforehand, but we took a cruise my wife and I and a couple friends of ours, we took a cruise. We went to Georgetown in the Cayman Islands. We went to Jamaica, uh, Ocho Rios, and we went to Nassau in the Bahamas. And on Thursday, which I think was an at-sea day, if I can remember, but the drinks were making me a little bit fuzzy, I had my phone on me and I got the notification, record PNR, because at 11 o'clock Eastern time every Thursday, I keep that on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, right. That's, it was just weird. It was weird not recording, and instead I had to lay out in the sun by the pool, uh, drinking. Rough. Yeah, it was rough. Drinking a, a, a fluffy, flowery, fruity drink of some <laughs> of some nature. Yeah, of some kind. Many of yeah. those actually. It was funny. We we 
we cruised on Holland America, which is generally for older people, as you will. But they have, we had the drink package, but they have a limit on the drink package of 15 drinks a day. And we did actually eclipse that. On a couple of wow. days. Yes, it's very you 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 hit your limit. No, you no, know, those. That's no, a lot. If of you drinks. get a Coca Cola or you get a a specialty coffee, that includes as well. So I don't want people to think that I'm I'm. This is all alcoholic drinks, that but you probably have a, that you have a problem. That you have, probably don't want anybody to think you have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no problem here. There was no problem. Yeah, I see. The bartenders yeah. didn't have any problem coming over. The deli- drink, drink delivery drunk, no was just fine. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but I do want to say, yeah. you and I talked about it beforehand. I'm not going to talk about the whole cruise thing, but one of those. Oh yes, the book. The, well, before I get, I want to get to the book real quick, but the. The bucket list item that I would have everybody put on their list is Dunn's River Falls in Ocho Rios. That was an amazing. Okay. We basically climbed. I, I don't know what the real Wikipedia says, 600 feet. The people in Jamaica said it was 970 feet. It was a lot that we went from the bottom and we climbed up through the falls. And there were literally hundreds of people at the same time doing this. It was kind of crazy. But we all held hands. And we had a group of about 30 people, and we went all the way up the falls, and it was one of those things where you really did feel like you accomplished something of significance. So if if you ever get a chance, do Duns River Falls. I will look into that. That sounds fantastic. Oh, so much fun. So much fun. Um, Yeah. And then thank you for – a lot of people don't know this. So next week is the big launch week for Epic Content Marketing 2nd Edition. So, That's right. you know, I'm just going to plead with everyone listening to this. And by the way, a lot of people listening to this are on our launch team and helping us out and posting it and great. But if you can go out and buy a print copy, ebook, audiobooks, they're all available. I can't believe it. Audible moved really quickly this time. They approved it in four days. So <laughs> much different than during COVID when it took eight weeks to approve uh, our audiobook the last time. But so if you can yeah. go out, support yeah. that, that would be great. Um, we're really proud of the new book, but I'm also proud because not only is, you know, Brian Piper is my co-author on this one, but Robert Rose has a oh, wonderful, amazing chapter on <laughs> the case for content marketing. And yeah. So I got it real quickly. You were just looking for word count. Oh, that's really Maybe, all you needed. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, we were getting, I, I was getting ready to put that chapter together. And I literally said, it's stupid for me to write this chapter because you are the expert on the case for content marketing. And I asked you to do it and you did it and you read it for the audiobook too. So I you did. are in this book. I'd... People that want to support this book are supporting both of us, even though you don't get any revenue well, from this. Let's, yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> let's be clear. They're supporting you. Yeah, they may be. <laughs> let's let's just be perfectly clear. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's a big show of support. It's like clapping hands. You know, you don't receive dollar bills, but it's the, you know, it's the praise. Dollar, Rightfully dollar bills, so. Dollar, dollar so anyways... Bills. Thanks for yeah. for everyone's support. It's going really well so far. We're 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 trying to it's hit fantastic. some numbers on Amazon's chart and all that funny stuff you do when you market a book. But yeah, uh, we're having a good time with it. So awesome, awesome. All right, well, let's get to a let's show. Do it. Uh, we it's been a it's been a hot minute since we did a show together. So let's uh, let's let's look at this. We do have a fun show. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened while you were gone, um, but that we didn't get a chance to talk about, including. The fact that Meta, the parent company of Facebook and Instagram, has now introduced a new verified blue check mark, and we'll talk a little bit about what that might mean and how they're doing it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Substack and how it has sort of become the new du jour uh, way to do things. Uh, they have now topped 2 million paid subscribers. Amazing numbers there. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Bing. Uh, and how it has now really lobotomized uh, the wonderful Sydney and its AI integration after some really interesting interactions that it's had. Uh, then we'll bring back, we're going to bring back just for this episode, yes, that segment that you love, you want, you need, the musky scent. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Twitter because there is some news there about how it may be breaking down a little bit as they continue to cut staff. Uh, and also, Jack Dorsey's new Twitter has now hit the App Store. So talk a little bit about social media this uh, this episode. And we'll finish up with talking about 
time may be tick, tick, ticking away for TikTok, uh, the government's uh, now starting to ban it in much greater propensity. So we'll talk about that, too. I will then rave a little bit about uh, the fact that the FTC is now looking at artificial intelligence as a marketing term and see what that means. And then Joe will talk a little bit about branded newsletters and rave, of course. I'm sure you'll all be shocked that he's going to rave about email. <laughs> People are probably so, sick. Oh, there's Joe again talking about email. I can't get enough of it. He likes email. It's been 20 years. He likes get email. Yeah. He likes email. You even did it on your your LinkedIn posts while you were away. You were talking about email. So that, By that the way, yeah, and I, sched- I, I scheduled those posts. I, so yeah. don't think that I was actually, you know, doing work. Uh, yeah, on vacation exactly. didn't happen. No, folks, fantastic. So, there you go. All right, uh, let's do this. All right, well, let's get to it. We're going to start with the uh, the fact that Meta Facebook has now offered verified. Now there are a ton of outlets actually covering this and sort of their analysis of it. But we're going to link to in the show notes the actual release uh, of it. So it's on the about.meta.com site. And it says, introducing Meta Verified, a subscription bundle, as it were, to help you establish and grow your presence on Instagram and Facebook. Check availability on Instagram and Facebook to grow your presence there. And what does it give you? It gives you verification, Help your community know it's the real you with a verified badge, which uses a verification process, government ID to securely establish your account's authenticity. You get exclusive features, uh, Facebook and Instagram stories, Facebook reels, and 100 stars a month on Facebook so you can show your support for other creators. (laughs) We'll talk about that. Uh, Increased visibility. You get basically a little bit of bump in the algorithm to get more visibility for your organic posts. Proactive account protection. You get actually protection from impersonation with proactive account monitoring and securing your account with required two-factor authentication. Uh, And then, of course, you actually get customer support. You get a direct account support when you need it from a real person, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So what think you of the meta verification? This seems like the they looked at what Twitter did and went, we can do one slightly better than that. Um, let's 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 see what we can do. What do you think? Well, first of all, it does seem like what this program, Twitter should just copy this and do it. It's really really close to what I think is the well, right. Twitter thing to should do. have. I went and Twitter joined the waitlist from the very beginning. Yeah, this is not this is not genius level product. No, it, it's, it's fine. I mean, is, it, yeah. I mean, first of all, Meta, Facebook, they're doing what they normally do really well is copy other people. They're taking mm-hmm. they're taking what's already out there, some kind of a verification system, subscription system, and they're putting a package together. Now, the one that's out there right now, as everybody probably knows, is only available in New Zealand and Australia. I did join the wait list because I wanted to kind of see how that would work. So I am on the wait list. Now, I want this. Are you already verified on Facebook? Do you have the blue check mark? No, I don't have the blue check mark on Facebook. And I want this is a real issue for me personally because I've got three or four Joe Polizzi accounts out there that are that are faking to be me and it's been really frustrating and i've already gone two weeks ago i went through the process again the second time to show my government idea to instagram so that they would you know help me boot these other ones off and say i'm the joe polizzi and not these other ones Uh, but it's getting really crazy actually i just um if michael stelzner is listening for social media examiner um i just ran into a very good fake account from him that followed me already has 1100 followers and everything looks like michael and there's just one letter that's different so from this standpoint i like it i like the subscription program i think the pricing is 11 to 14 dollars a month or something like that that's correct that's but from a creator standpoint i also want the visibility if I'm really saying that Instagram is going to be one of my social media channels that I'm going to focus on, I will absolutely pay for visibility. You and I talked about it with LinkedIn a couple shows ago, that if we if Premiere came with increased visibility, which I don't really think it does, but if it, I would absolutely spend that money every month to get that visibility. So I don't know what do you what do you think about the well. I, so I, I here's the funny thing is I literally only because I work in this business, I would subscribe to it. Um, I don't use Instagram or Facebook for anything professional. 
and so so the only thing I now I, I arguably should I mean literally it's so funny that we're talking about this because just this morning I was scrolling through Instagram and seeing so many people that we know, including Michael and and uh, our friend Andy Crestadina and uh, so many of our of our of our friends and colleagues doing business stuff on Instagram, and I'm like, oh okay. I wonder if I should be doing that. And then I and I was like, ah, no. I'm pretty happy making Facebook and Instagram, you know, pictures of cocktails and my vacations and mm-hmm. my hikes and pictures of my breakfast and, you know, all that kind of stuff and f- f- using it for friends and family. So the verified checkmark while probably good and safe for me, I, I, I don't, there's no... I, I, little risk, right? I have. I'm not mitigating that much risk with that, like you are. Like you, you use it for professional reasons, and so uh, I think that's that's probably uh, a, a good thing. So the verification part of this, hundred percent. This is the way they should all work. This is. I think Twitter this is the work. way that everyone. Well. I don't want to this cut, is the I way, cut you off. I think this is the way that accounts should work. Yes. This. I, I think. I think personally. I think this is the way that you should get a Facebook account is that you have to provide some level of, of proof of, 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 of identity to be on it. This would solve so much of what right now is such the big uh, problem with social media, which is the anonymity and hate speech and all that stuff. If you actually had to stand behind your own words with an authenticated account, I think it would reduce that quite a bit but don't you think it's Um, don't you think it's great this is a bigger issue and well i know we're going to talk about this with the next one as well but isn't isn't this a move that social media in the next five years or maybe sooner than that moves away from being free at all and it just becomes a paid service where you are verified and you do pay something every month if you want to be i think it it? should be that yeah i think that's i think that's look i the unfortunate thing is, I was just having this conversation the, last week with a colleague. The unfortunate thing is, I think the horse may have left the barn on this already. In other words, if we had, if we had started social media, if we had started in Facebook or Twitter, you know, in in the early days, and the process was, you write a post, you put up a photograph, you put up a picture of your breakfast, you do whatever it is you're going to do, but that post doesn't appear for thirty minutes. Or an hour, because everything has to go through a review process, and algorithmic or human or both, and so we didn't get that instant gratification. I think much of what we're dealing, but this is hindsight, right? Hindsight always being twenty twenty. We we I think we would have have avoided many of the challenges that we have today with regard to some of the awfulness that is social media. Now, the same thing goes for accounts. Can you retroactively make people go in and re-identify themselves much the way you have to do when you're signing up for a crypto account sure. or you're signing up for you know anything that really you know requires you to prove that you're you? And there are many ways to do that, by the way, other than simply government IDs or driver's licenses or those sorts of things. Um, so that said, I, I don't know that it. I definitely see it as an evolution, but I'm not sure it's going to get there without a complete new platform. And we'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but it's fascinating to me that they're doing this. I think the verification part of this is way overdue. Uh, It probably shouldn't cost money, but great that they're doing it. The extra visibility, well, whatever. I mean, I don't care about that, right? But you might as a professional on, on these platforms. And then the rest of it is just fluff, right? Because, you know, that the rest, you know, having, an, having access to customer service or two-factor authentication, that should be free anyway. That's just sure. ridiculous. That's just, you know, that's just silliness that you're paying for two-factor authentication. But the, anyway, I, I think it's a good thing. I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm very glad. That well, and I, well, you can tell that they're targeting creators because you scroll down the meta page and the last thing is meta for creators. Why you should That's get right. me- that? It's the only the only audience they're targeting on this whole page are creators because they're the ones that are going to buy it. They're the ones they, that yeah, they're, they're the, the ones, ones that, cares, that right. are getting faked. Their accounts are getting yep. faked, and they're That's the exactly ones that right. want increased visibility. So if that's the case, because you know nobody's going to target my mom and be my mom on Facebook with you know right. nothing against right. mom's Facebook page, but she, you know she's got like fifty friends, which is fine. It's great. 
She doesn't right. care about any of this stuff. But to the to, but there are people that do, and there are there are. So let's just say of the billion people that use Meta, you have you you could have fifty to hundred million easy that could fall into this category. Of just course. think of the new revenue stream too. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a. I think I, I, uh, I was listening to Prof G and he calculated this. I think it was something like two billion dollars a year, right? Of of extra revenue just from this. Uh, yeah, and I and I've ne- <laughs> I've never been a fan of Meta stock, but I really believe it's undervalued right now because oh, they took totally such a hit. Yeah, and. They just needed to get away from the whole, you know, Web three thing for a while, and get back to get back to their core business. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's 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 it's. I'm glad they're doing it. Um, you know, this is there's. I mean, it, there's no there's no <laughs> there's no question that this is as much a marketing and PR move as it is a new product move. It's also meant to take advantage of the fact that. Twitter is floundering right now with this. Twitter just, I mean, we'll get to this when we get to our musky scent segment, but Twitter just fired the, the product manager who was in charge of Twitter Blue. So, you know, it, it's, they're, they're, they're bumping around in the dark right now. And so Meta's taking Well, and, and we'll, also, sure. we'll also talk about, you know, and, and to jump to the end here, but the fact that they have so many lobbyists on the Hill right now making sure that TikTok gets banned. I mean, you know, Apple and Microsoft and Facebook are all there in droves saying, get rid of these people. So we'll talk about that later. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, Well, let's, yeah, let's move on to our next, our next story here. Uh, Our next story is, is a nice segue here. It comes from uh, it. Well, there's a couple of sources here. Uh, the first source that we can't link to really in the in the show notes, but we'll just talk about it because it's it is an exclusive, as it were. It comes from Axios, where they actually showed uh, that uh, Substack has now uh, passed the two million mark in terms of paid subscribers. Uh, bad on you, Substack, or excuse me, bad on you, Axios, for not having a link to that so that we can actually link to it. But here we go with uh, an interesting article that comes from Substack. Com itself, um, which is a new economic engine for culture. Uh, it's sort of a, I guess, a position article on what, you know, thinking what comes after social media as we know it. And it does mention the fact that Substack has now passed the two million uh, mark here. And it opens up by saying, we've always tried to believe that the internet's powers for good could be realized if they were tied to a business model that produces better incentives than the dominant online media platforms currently offer. When we started this company five years ago, we thought that the world might look a little different if readers and writers rather than companies wanted to sell them stuff were the customers. And we believe that interesting things could happen if writers were rewarded for building trust. Then they go on to talk about this and then and basically talk about the fact that they have now got to the two million point. But they basically said, and I've started to really notice this anecdotally in my feed, whenever anybody's recommending a place to center your work these days, you know, whether you want to start a personal blog or a newsletter or whatever, everybody's like, oh, Substack, start a Substack, start a Substack. It's Substack is now becoming sort of the WordPress, if you will, of how to create audiences these days if you're any sort of influencer or creator at all. So what do you think about this? Is this becoming this new idea of building your own community is that sort of replacing the idea of social media and where does that fall in sort of the stack rate i guess if you will forgive the pun in in what we're what we're doing as creators well i think you've mentioned this a few times when you talk about the trust barometer there is an opportunity for individuals in all niches to become trusted experts and the best way to do that is through writing and so where is that writing going to be held up at the highest standard? It seems to be, to your point, that Substack is one of the... I mean, they've got some great, amazing writers on this platform. At first, I wasn't a big fan because I was thinking, okay, this is just another rented land, social media platform. Substack has all the, all the data, which they do. But if you are not happy with Substack, can you port your email database out? Yes, now, if I had my druthers, would I rather build an email newsletter somewhere else and then build the monetization platform around it myself uh, so that I control more of those things? Yes, but a lot of 
a lot of people don't want to do a lot of writers don't want to do that so Substack has has created the all-in-one model to make that happen very easily. I can set it up. They will even, depending on who I am, promote it a little bit, although that's dicey uh, if you're a, a, a new creator. But I, I think they built, obviously, with 20 million monthly active subscribers and 2 million paid subs now, which is a significant thing. They've done some some good work here. And But, you know, they got you got Beehive out there that just launched with their email platform. Uh, you've got a lot of other amazing email platforms. ConvertKit, something that we use for the tilt. But from an ease of use standpoint and with the benefits, and I don't know, the take is 10%, I think is what Substack takes. It's almost a no-brainer for thought leaders and writers that don't want to do a lot of work and still want to build a community. So that's right. I, I can't, I can't yeah. fault the business model. And we just talked about the fact that a lot of this is going to subscription. And this is full. This is a hundred percent subscription model. You either sign up for a free subscription or a paid subscription to your super fans, and the and there's they got the whole model there. It's like what is the percentage? The two percent or three percent that you can get from a free subscriber into a paid subscriber. You set your amount of money, and you have now writers that don't have to make money with their books. They don't have to make money with their speaking events. They can make money directly through this community that they're building on Substack. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know, it's Kevin Kelly's thousand fans, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it, it, it is, you can be a little bit famous. You can be a little, you know, and, and, and build in a small audience that is willing to pay a small amount and get enough of those where you can build a business on it, build a small, a small business on it and, or a big business on it, you know, quite honestly. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's right there. The, the, it will be interesting to see if, scale lasts right i think you're i think you're right with all of the new uh you know with the new sort of entrance into the marketplace that are trying to take you know there's clavio now and the you know like you said beehive and, and there's a number of them that are sort of offering these kinds of services um which is arguably something that medium had sh- should have done a long sure. time ago medium could have taken this whole thing right with with and, and <laughs> which brings us back to twitter of course but Medium could have taken this whole pie if it had just not focused in on being rented land, as much rented land as it is. And I think Substack did a really smart thing by making the you know making it a service rather than making it a social media platform. And and you know it's it's arguably a little bit of both because they do have the algorithm that floats up stuff to the top, so you can actually go dis you know a content discovery system, as it were. Um, and but but really, it, it's it's more you know it, it's it, I'm sure the bulk of what it really creates value in is you know letting letting entrepreneurs letting writers be entrepreneurs and that's the it's it's a it's a very smart move and we'll see if anybody can take them now I I could very easily see Substack becoming the new WordPress right where I think just that's a good I think that's a good it. analogy Are you uh, subscribed to Bankless? Do you ever read a Bankless? I have. I, I don't subscribe to it, but I have listened to it's it. It's just before, interesting. Yeah. So, so Bankless, which is a media company in the crypto space, they are doing all. They're doing events. Uh, they do uh, daily email newsletters through Substack, if you will. And it's almost like yeah. they're working on the business in so many other ways. They just said, okay, well, this one we don't have to do. We don't have to get IT. We don't have to get all these integrations going. We just could just say we're going to do Substack for this. It's a big part of our business model, and we can really focus our time and energy on the content itself and then other revenue generators. And I don't think yeah. that's a bad way to go. So No, I think it's, I think it's really smart. I think you know, it, it, a lot of times these technologies get dinged because they're, quote, unquote, not enterprise, right? So you feel like at some point, if you're a small business, you're going to, quote, unquote, grow out of it. You know, that WordPress suffers from the same thing, right? And in many ways, uh, when you start getting multiple authors, complex workflows, all those kinds of things, those, those, some of those solutions do break down. But there's also something very much to be said, like, well, why don't you just keep it simple, right? Just, you know, don't get into complex workflows. Don't get into complex, you know, models here. Just keep it really simple. And I think that's, in many ways, what a lot of these new startups are doing. They're, they're purposely making it 
uh, a bit of an island where it is just going to be kept really simple because it's just a core piece of the business. It's really easy. It's not broken. So don't, you know, don't break it. The only thing that I would say is, and we've talked about this at nauseum, but if LinkedIn focused a little bit more on this, they could take this business because they've already, of course, they could. the promotion is already there. And you and I have both seen benefits in a very short period of time from LinkedIn because of the fact that you can generate subscribers fairly quickly if you have oh, a my network. Gosh. Yep. And it's harder yep. to, if I, I mean, move over to Substack, if I move my random newsletter over to Substack from LinkedIn or from my email, it's going to take me much longer to build that. Now, if LinkedIn right. added the subscription component then the paid component, done and done in my opinion, but yeah. But the, the, the problem with that is, is that once again, that horse has left the barn, right? Which is LinkedIn can't do that now because of privacy issues, right? Because they've made it so easy to sign up and put in all your data because it's quote unquote going to be secured and not going to go anywhere. The problem is, is that if you could go into LinkedIn, create a newsletter uh, and then pull all those subscribers in and then just you know, scrape them out and then basically leave LinkedIn and go somewhere else, then you, you know, you've, you've sort of botched that whole thing. Right. And so they, they, at this point they can't, they can't offer what a Substack can offer from a, from a, you know, because they're so integrated into everything. It's sort of a, it's, it's, it's a bit of a double-sided sword, right? You sort of integrate as smoothly and beautifully as LinkedIn does, which is, I can create a newsletter that goes out to all of the people who have followed me and all of the people who are connected with me and hits their inbox if they, of course, if they hit subscribe. So it does both. It appears in their feed and in their inbox. But because it's so smooth and elegant and, and, and in terms of reaching everybody that follows me uh, and, and is connected with me, they also can't give me the ability to migrate that stuff out either. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 an interesting catch twenty two for them to to be able to compete. We'll here. see. I think they could do it, but I see your point. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our next story here, which is, of course, we'll just cover very quickly here about Bing. Uh, we talked a little bit about this with Paul last week uh, on the show. Um, uh, did you catch the show? By I the did. Way? Did yes, you listen to the was, show? Of course, did? I did. Yeah. I, okay. I, I, All right. I caught it right before I went to bed. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. Put it, to, put you to sleep. That, that's what it I'm was good glorious. For. It was glorious not yes. having to do it, but I did miss you. So there, there you go. go. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about this, but basically, there's been a lot of uh, things that have happened in the last week. Um, Ars Technica, uh, this is where we'll link to in the show notes, is reporting that Microsoft has now lobotomized the AI power Bing. Love that headline, uh, and its fans aren't happy. Uh, Microsoft limits the long conversations to address concerns being raised. The article opens up by saying Microsoft's new AI-powered Bing chat service is still in private testing, but it's been the past. Or it's been in the headlines in this wild and erratic outputs. Uh, but that era has apparently come to an end. At some point during the past two days, Microsoft has now significantly curtailed Bing's ability to threaten its users, have existential meltdowns, or declare its love for them. If you haven't. Just Google some of that stuff if you want to go. <laughs> There's some classics there. Uh, during Bing Chat's first week, test users noticed that Bing, uh, also known by its code name Sydney, began to act significantly unhinged when conversations got too long. As a result, Microsoft limited users to 50 messages per day and five inputs per conversation. Apparently, it's the length of the conversation that starts to let Sydney out of the box, as it were. Uh, and so that's what they did. So what do you think about this? I mean, is this... Are they just trying to keep a cap on something that can't ultimately be capped, or how does this how does this all play? No, I mean, out, I, th- I think have- I think they'll get there. I think we're still at early stages. But what I'm amazed by is that we're talking about Bing. I mean, full stop. When yeah. <laughs> when yeah. when did right. when did it get to a point where Bing was done? Like it, and and now it's back in the conversation. How did Microsoft do this? This might be the greatest feat of Microsoft marketing ever that they are back in this conversation and and Microsoft's business model is fantastic. They don't need any of this to work and they'll be just fine. This is a total, this is a total extra thing that they're creating on the side. I think the whole thing is funny. I think that uh, them putting out a product that they don't know what it's going to do was interesting. And it was, it was marketing in my opinion. And this is, this is where they're at. 
you want to hear my 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 uh, and it's not if it's a conspiracy yeah. theory, but you want to hear sure. my my sort of weird theory yeah. behind all this. I think you hit it right on that the nail on the head, which is I think for Microsoft this is totally a flyer. Like if this works great, and if it doesn't work, what it is, this is really a test bed for them because the money here is not for them to try and compete with Google at search. The money here is for them, because Google's going to, by the way, Google, when they introduce BARD finally, it will, the pendulum will swing all the way back over to Google again. Just trust me on that. That, that will happen. But where Bing and AI and ChatGPT really start to shine is when they integrate it into Microsoft Word and yep. PowerPoint and Excel and, and all the Office suite to help you do things like write a letter. Can you imagine? Or, you know, do a spreadsheet. You go into Word and Word is your, yeah, is your AI assistant. I mean, exactly. it's going to be unbelievable. So that's the, that's the play here. That's the, that's totally the play. agree it with has, that. The, the search stuff is great. And if they compete with Google a little bit, and if it ups their market share, even by 1%, they're doing lovely. But the play here is to learn, get it all out into the public, get it out there, establish themselves as a player in this, in this place so that when it ultimately does get integrated into the office suite and, and the other enterprise tools, by the way, there are other enterprise tools that it's a, it's a huge, uh, it's a huge win for that. That's a great take. A little side note before we go on to the next one. I didn't have access to the new Bing, so I had to go and put in my Microsoft password to get the whole thing. So I'm still can't get access to it, but did you realize? Yeah. I didn't know Microsoft had a rewards program, and apparently I have twenty three hundred rewards points. Probably just because I've been buying, you know, sweets for years and whatever. <laughs> what can, what can you? I can get a whole. I, can you buy? Like I can a, get. I think I can get enough to go on another cruise. Actually, <laughs> it's like yeah, it's, maybe or a or a Clippy plush doll. I had oh, yeah. I had no idea. This is this is really uh, yeah. interesting that they had their rewards program. I wish go. they would talk about it more. But uh, there you but, go. But anyways, yeah, I'm. I'm. I want to get on to Bing. I can't get on. I can't use Meta, Meta Verified because it's not available yet. I can't get on to Bing yet because I because I'm not. On, I'm what I'm on the list. I can't do any of these things. This is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you paid? Have you have you paid for your OpenAI account at least so that you've got access to ChatGPT and all the things? No. I haven't done yeah, that. You, you have that. that. Yeah. You should. You, you've been recommending. I have. I've that started to do that. What's that called? Plus, I've, I've been in, I've whatever been, it is. I've been really trying to incorporate ChatGPT into my workflow, and it's it's coming, it's coming along. along. It's, You're getting it's, it. I'm yeah, I'm finding it very useful. Very very. I useful. talked to Mitch Joel this morning, and he was saying that it's totally changed his workflow entirely, and it's amazing. Yeah. and all that stuff. So I have to. Yeah, have abstracts to for it. webinars and uh, descriptions of white papers, and you know, summaries. It's fantastic at that. It's just right. really. I'll get really on good. it. I'll get on it. One more thing. One more thing. All right. So very quickly here, we're going to do, yes, we're going to bring back one of your favorite things. We'll talk about it very quickly. And that is, of course, our segment on the musky scent. All right. It's been a I while thought we were done with that. I literally thought we were done with that. Well, now I've got to bring it back in production. Yeah. Now you've got to go. Yeah. You've got to go. Got to go do actually some editing. Work I know. You're making me here my yeah. week back. I thought it'd be easy. Now I got to do yeah. five minutes of editing. This is terrible. Yeah. That's tough. It's tough. <laughs> All right. We're going to cover. We're going to cover three <laughs> stories really quickly here uh, to make sure that we get it in. Uh, the because of course you're probably seeing this all across. The first story is from the New York Times. Uh, Twitter is going, I mean, and I've seen this personally, and I don't use Twitter very much anymore other than content consumption. Outages are on the rise. Uh, Elon Musk's repeated job cuts are stoking new fears that there aren't enough people to triage Twitter's problems. Basically, the social media service remains operational today, but outages, bugs, and other glitches are increasingly piling up. In February alone, Twitter experienced at least four widespread outages compared with nine in all of 2022, according to NetBlocks uh, that tracks such things. And basically, Twitter's reliability has deteriorated as Mr. Musk has repeatedly slashed the company's workforce. 
another round, and that's what we'll also link to, uh, has cut uh, more than 100 more people, uh, basically bringing Twitter down to less than 2,000 employees, down from 7,500 when Mr. Musk took over in October. And one of the last ones was the product manager uh, from uh, Twitter Blue, of course. All of this in context with something we'll uh, link to in the show notes from Gizmodo, which is that Jack Dorsey, of course, the former CEO of Twitter, has now launched Blue Sky uh, into the beta test. Uh, Blue Sky, of course, being his new social media network. And it says Twitter users could have the chance to pivot to an upcoming rival social media app, Blue Sky, which launched its beta test on Apple's App Store on Tuesday. The former Twitter CEO and founder Jack Dorsey is the mastermind behind Blue Sky, which he announced would be focusing on after Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion in October. Blue Sky was originally conceptualized as decentralized social network in 2019 as an extension of Twitter, but broke off later to be its own platform. Blue Sky realized that our independence is important to the success of the project, says Mr. Dorsey. Okay, so what do you think about all this stuff? What's what's you had a chance to think? I'm sure you were thinking about Elon and Twitter while you were basking and drinking drinks. But oh, abs- absolutely, I I couldn't uh, couldn't stop thinking about Elon. Um, <laughs> so. The- <laughs> With, with what's going on at Twitter, all I could think of, and this is the best analogy I have, you've seen Kill Bill 1 and 2, I'm assuming, from Quentin Tarantino. I have. I have. I'm, now I'm very interested in this it, metaphor. It, yeah, it, go seem, ahead. it seems to me, this is what Elon is doing. Elon is, is taking Twitter where Uma Thurman was at when she went for her training. And just and remember, remember when the sensei just broke her yeah, down? Yeah, sure. Yeah, everything, yeah, what yeah. she learned, how she acted, every, how she punched, how she defended herself, everything was wrong. And she, and then basically she was nothing. And then he rebuilt her. That's what's happening here. Oh, my here. God. Oh, my God. I, 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 I'm with you all the way to the, to the rebuild part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you think that he's doing yeah. the whole first part. And then what happens? I think he's, I, I think Musk is intentionally breaking things down until they break irrevocably and then he'll know that he's gone too far. I think he needs to he's he's slowly breaking everything until the the whole house comes tumbling down because at that point he knows great. That's where the minimum he's he's basically going back to minimum viable product. Yes. And so he can he can fix it up to that point. And at that point, that's that's the right he's in his mind. I'm not saying this is the right thing. Trust me. But in his mind, I think he thinks that's where he that that's right sizing the business. In other words, swinging a bat around everywhere, cracking every skull around until things just fall apart. And once they fall apart, it's like that's the line right that that now he knows where the line is, where he can't go past. Um and then he can start to rebuild from there. He's basically breaking the house down. To, I, th- I agree with you. He's breaking the house down to its studs so that he can theoretically rebuild the house over time. Um, however, it's just a question of time, right? I mean, it's like, can he? You know, does he have the time to do this? And will people hang around and wait for him to rebuild the house, or will they go off to something new like this blue sky thing? I. I I don't think he's got the luxury of the time to be able to do this. I, I, I and, agree with and, you on the time component, but nobody, yeah. I mean, maybe Jack Dorsey can do this, but his idea is a very different one from a decentralized standpoint. I, there, there's nobody knocking on the door saying they have a replacement for what Twitter does. Nobody. Agreed. And Agreed. how long have we been talking about this? Years. Still, nobody. Yeah. So maybe, and, and by the way, if you took that Twitter business model uh, against what Apple's doing, Microsoft, Meta, you why would you? That current business model is terrible. It doesn't work oh, it's a very well. Business you model. can't scale yeah, it right, very much exactly. anymore. So, well, that's why that's. I think that's why we haven't seen any sort of real replacement. That's what I'm saying. They're, so they're, the, nobody's going to touch it. Source. I think they're going to give it yeah. to Elon and say, Elon, go. We'll let you take it. Jack Dorsey, this is just another pet project for him. I, I can't. I can't see this as important at all until we get into it. There's a user base. People start talking. You don't know. We have no idea what yeah. it's going to be. Well, it really it really does speak to the larger trend of the decline of social media full stop. 
you know, one of the things I said in my newsletter this week uh, to my little experience advisor community was uh, talking about the, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of social media. And I think in many ways, what we're starting to see now is the attrition in the war to become a social media influencer, a creator. You know, I think what we're starting to see now is people going, you know what? I am just a content consumer. I'm not going to try and create, you know, I'm either going, you know, they're, they're, they're going right into the, like me, they're saying, hey, I'm just going to create content for family and friends and just be done with it. And Facebook is fine for that because that's where everybody is. Or they're saying, I'm just going to consume content. I, I'm, I'm really not, you know, maybe I'll create a little bit here and there on, you know, uh, Snapchat or something like that for friends. But really what I'm doing is I want to see what creators are doing. So that's why I'm on TikTok all day. And I think you're starting to see the fact that the idea of people chatting and communing and creating social media frenzies and all that stuff is sort of waning as an idea. And I think it's, it's a really interesting time for social media because content discovery is becoming so big and creators are becoming so good at what they're doing. And I think there's a, there's a real divide, I guess, between content consumption and content creation. You know, if it was 80-20, like now, like 80-20 consumption versus creation, maybe it's 98-2 now. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I think the other thing is that I've been thinking more and more, more, and more about with creators is Creators can make a decision about if and how much community they want. Like we just talked about Substack. A creator might be right. really happy with just getting a couple hundred people, super fans, and just doing that. Just being great at that one thing and not having to build the whole community thing and get together for private calls and this, that, and the other and inside tips and being active on Twitter or whatever. So everybody's talking about Oh, community is the next thing, and you got to leverage social media this way. Maybe, but you can choose. You could say, I don't want that because community is really difficult. It is a whole step up. You might just say, I just want to do this little thing. I just want to have a good life for myself and my family. I choose this. So sometimes it's, it's, and that's what I like seeing a lot of creators saying, I'm just going to do this thing because I can do it really well and it fits within my schedule so I can live the life that I want to live and forget all the rest of the stuff. Man, get off my lawn. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, speaking of that, speaking of content consumption and all of those kinds of things, the last story that we'll cover before we get to rants and raves is, of course, about our friends at uh, TikTok and um, Do I, we have I, friends at TikTok? TikTok no. I don't think we have friends at TikTok. Well, sort of. I, you know, I don't know. We don't have any friends at ByteDance, I don't think. You know, times tick, 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 and that stick song, you know, the, the, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, 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 it's the old stick song. Uh, 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 got the four o'clock news. I know what you're talking about. I keep thinking like, time is ticking away. Ticking away. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Anyway. Let's look to a a couple of stories here. Basically, TikTok's time in the U.S. may be coming to an end here. The information, uh, TikTok's U.S. survival plan faces potential hurdle. Apple's App Store rules. TikTok faces new potential hurdles to overcome national security concerns as the Apple and Google stores uh, are taking uh, a good look at the app. Uh, The popular video app owned by Chinese internet ByteDance has begun talks with Apple and Google to ensure its proposed data security plan doesn't get derailed by their App Store rules, according to a person with direct knowledge of the matter. Under the plan, which TikTok has proposed to the U.S. government to resolve worries about the security of U.S. user data, every update to TikTok software will be vetted and delivered by the app stores by Oracle. You know, that trustworthy organization called Oracle. Anyway. When did that happen? TikTok, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Right. The, the red and black death star of oh Oracle. Anyway. Um, so the other article we'll link to is from USA Today, which, of course, is... The House continues to talk about this uh, subversive data collection panel, as it's saying, uh, GOP-led House panel advances bill to authorize Biden to ban TikTok. Dun-dun-dun. Finally happening, says Joe Polizzi. Uh, House Republicans on Wednesday voted to advance a bill that would authorize Joe Biden to ban TikTok nationwide. The House Foreign Affairs Committee voted 24 to 16 along party lines to advance the Deterring America's Technology Adversaries Act or Data Act. Get what they, see what they did there? See? 
See what mm-hmm. they did? Anyway, the bill introduced by committee chairman Michael McCall uh, would uh, allow Biden to enact nationwide bans on software applications that are deemed a national security threat. Republicans have been especially critical of TikTok being owned by Beijing-based ByteDance. China not having a great couple of weeks here, uh, <laughs> but um, generally speaking, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about all this? I know you you you've been predicting this all I'm along. Predicting it's not quite going to happen yet. There's a lot of things to happen, but all we see right now is momentum. There's just momentum. Uh, we've talked about it a few episodes ago. Will there be some kind of TikTok that? Uh, is not connected directly to ByteDance that is allowable. Um, I could see something like that happen, but you, I mean, you've already got it banned off of any kind of government device that's happening as we speak. Um, and, right. and then that we talked about it as that rolls out, that affects more than you think. Cause then you've got every contractor that does business with a government entity and will need to take that off of their devices too. And then when that goes, you're just going to start seeing this naturally happen. I don't think uh, this, this 24 to 16 vote is going to necessarily do anything, but keep it, keep the ball rolling until it get comes to a head. I think something else will happen in the U S Chinese relationship battle, if you will, or cold war or whatever we're going through right now to take it to the next step. And somebody will, and then by the way, I've been predicting it's going to happen. I really still believe it's going to happen. And I still don't know if it's a good thing. It's going to happen. Cause I don't, yeah. I don't like that things are banned. I think that will set a precedent for other things to happen that I don't think should happen. And then of course it's the apocalypse and the end of the world and we're done. So not sure. to go downhill yeah, with well, it. I, but- <laughs> I'm, I, I'm less concerned about something like this uh, being banned uh, than I, I would be about something that was U.S.-based being banned. I mean, yeah. the fact that, you know, because remember, Google is banned in China. You know, there, there are, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, there, there are plenty of platforms that are banned in China that, you, that are U.S.-based. Yeah, all of them. Uh, um, so the, this... This would not. I mean, this is basically a tit for tat, you know, sign up kind of idea. Uh, theoretically, we're you know we're we're not trying to play that game. I can't imagine because that's just a ridiculous game to play because it shows that we're no better than they are. But I, you know, to me, I, I mean, again, I don't care that much about TikTok particularly. I think the issue, the interesting issue about data collection and what is being used with the algorithm to shape opinion through content shaping is the more interesting thing here. And that applies to everybody. That applies to all the all the social media platforms and how they have a, a, a and this is being heard in the Supreme Court. I mean, one story that we didn't talk about this episode was how the Supreme Court is now hearing uh, uh, Section 230 uh, cases right now as we speak. Um, that are and they're and basically the Supreme Court is going. Yeah, we don't know what the hell we're talking about, so we we're going to let Congress figure this out. But the general tenor is, you know, what the, the 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 platforms are actually making a better case than the challengers to the platform are making, right? So it's not it's it, it's a really interesting time for us to be thinking about algorithmic, artificial intelligence driven display of content and optimization of content as it pertains to the national psyche and, and what, we're, what we're going through from a culture standpoint. It's a really interesting yeah. time to be thinking about I think the, the, to wrap this up, if, if we think about what happened in 2016 with the election and what Russia, if you believe such things, that Russia tampered with, with Facebook in, in ways yeah. around content creation, um, there's no tampering involved here. TikTok can do whatever they want. So that's that's, that's right. the difference. And the, it is the it is the most influential platform in my opinion in the United States is TikTok right now. Yeah. That's right. So it wouldn't take much of an algorithm change to to shift which content certain people are seeing and where and how. Of course. What happens? Absolutely. So, that's right. Well, that's the whole yeah. point, right? I mean, we've talked about this on I mean, this is I mean, but by, by the way, this isn't just TikTok, right? This is one of one of the things that we don't see a lot of, which is and we talked about a little bit on it the two shows ago, where Facebook, you know, not in the US necessarily, but in other countries across the world, 
that is the internet for many people. And what they see in their Facebook feed, they are directly is directly shaping the way that they perceive the world. And that algorithm optimization isn't necessarily a good thing in nations that don't have other media to counterbalance any of that. And it's that's the real interesting thing because something as powerful as Facebook in that kind of country, think about it, something as powerful as TikTok in this country, and it's just, it, it's it, there are all kinds of issues to think yep. about. Absolutely. Yep. All right, very quickly, before we get to our rants and raves sections, your empirically proven favorite part of the show, of course, we want to just encourage you to visit our wonderful little website at thisoldmarketing.site, where, of course, you can get all the wonderful show notes, you can subscribe to our newsletters, you can do all the wonderful things, including, by the way, sending us email. Thank you so much for the messages we're getting on this through the site. Uh, the voicemails, they're so much fun to get. Love getting them. So thank you for that. Um, and do and do go visit it because it's just a great, wonderful source. And of course, you can listen to any of the other 364 uh, episodes that you want to see. All right. Now it is time for our rants and rave section as we close out the show. And so... This is where Go and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave that makes us feel like Cocaine Bear or makes us feel like we're jonesing for an eight ball. <laughs> um, and so uh, let's see here. The fact that I know that it's called an eight ball should tell you all you need to know about me. I think, I think um, the listeners know. I think they, they already know. know. They know. They know. Uh, all right. I'm going to go okay. first because mine's super quick. Um, it Basically, this week, uh, the FTC, uh, that's the Federal Trade Commission, they came out and they've basically put up a post saying that artificial intelligence, AI, they consider it a marketing term. So technology companies, computer companies, any services company basically needs to be very careful about how they start using the word AI because, if, as they say, you need to ask yourself your question if your product actually uses AI because they're going to start using it as a claim. And if that, I mean, not that the FTC has that much teeth these days, but it's a very interesting take, I think, that they are looking at companies that are offering up, quote unquote, AI-driven solutions, and they may review whether actually the, the solution does have AI in it. I think it's just a part of a bigger thing that you're starting to see now, which is the claims about what people can do with AI become bigger and bolder as the competition becomes thicker. And I think as a consumer of such things like software solutions, hardware, the kinds of things that we all use, both as marketers and content creators, we're going to have to just take into account because it's going to get really thick with the bullshit in here over the next uh, few months as this thing gets hyped up. So the FTC post is a great reminder to just just have a little side eye to those solutions that are saying, oh, yeah, we're AI driven uh, and really dig into that to really see what's going on here. So um, it, it reminds me very much of an old idea. It's called Hofstadter's Law, which, of course, the Hofstadter's Law is that everything takes longer than you expect it to take, even when you take into account Hofstadter's Law, which, of course, means when you take something into account, you know, it's going to take longer than you think, even when you think it's going to take longer than it's going to take. So uh, that's what uh, it's all Only it's all you gonna, would know that law. Progress. But you say Hofstetter's <laughs> Law, and you say, of course, we know. Like, nobody you You know, and yeah. like five, pe five yeah. of our listeners know what that is. So yeah. I don't well, know how you, you have found it. that. There you have it. But, okay. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, my wife yeah. sent me this uh, amazing story, and I liked it so much because it, believes exactly what I believe. So that's a good story. Uh, this is a really uh, cute site, actually. It's called AM Stories, Find Your Brand's Voice. And the article is in praise of brand newsletters. And basically, it talks about uh, there's this huge billboard program going on for Oatly's new brand newsletter called Spam. And they've got billboards all over Times Square about this whole thing. And uh, basically, their, their newsletter is a poke in the eye to it says poke in the eye to current marketing trends and they're promoting this newsletter and i thought it was what an interesting way to promote your newsletter with a very expensive billboard for an opt-in yeah, right. newsletter i really would love to know how this performed i don't think they can tell because it's oatly.com slash spam is what the was what the call to action is so they wouldn't be able to tell from the billboards i wish they would have done that and you'd know 
how much a unique URL, yeah, yeah. a unique URL in some way, but I don't think they did it that way. But anyways, the article goes on to then talk about what Oatly did with their newsletter and why it's an effective newsletter and why newsletters are more important than ever uh, to build your trusted voice. A lot of the stuff that we've been talking about in this show, um, you know, don't start a newsletter without a clear brand voice. Every newsletter should have a singular goal. Uh, make clicks easy and rewarding. And I would say very, very minimal focus on just one or two uh, calls to action in each one, if you can, in each newsletter. Uh, it's okay to link to sites that are not your own. And big things begin with small newsletters. And the the example that was used was <laughs> that Goop started as a newsletter. Now, Goop is now yeah. $250 million, Gwyneth Paltrow's brand. That's right. Started with just yep. a newsletter. Yep. So wonderful things can start from a newsletter. Even though we're in the social media, AI, Web3 age, newsletters have never been more important than they are right now. So I'll put that in the show notes. And if anybody here needs a little bit of backing on how, why they should step their newsletter game up, you can use this uh, this story and send it to, to those powers that be. All right. Yeah. I dig yeah. it. I like it. I dig it the most. I like it. I, I, yeah. And <laughs> you dig it. Dig it. Yeah. You dig it the most. A warriors uh, reference for you there um, to end the but, show. Okay, so, okay, so, so, you so, you no, so, you're back. we're just talking about we got we mentioned. Well, it's John Travolta line. Have you seen John Travolta lately with the full bald head and the goatee? Have you seen? Oh yeah. yeah. What do you think of that look? Sure. You yeah. like that look? I think it works for yeah. him. I think it's I think it's working for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, ra- it's better than his old. Look. I ran that by yeah. a few. Because I don't know, a lot of people don't know this. I'm balding on the top of my head, and I ran that by a few people. And my wife said that if I do that, that that I can't come home. I thought it might be a good look for me, but she says I can't pull off what John Travolta pulls uh, off. So, you know, no need to comment. No need to comment. I, I was just yeah, I, adding I, another I, minute I to the show. I'm with you. I think I'm with your wife. <laughs> I think I think I'm with your wife. I, you know what you should do is you should just get like a skin cap. Like buy a skin cap off of Amazon and just try it and look what see what it looks like. Yeah, she says I can't do the bald and the full beard. Like I'd have to go to a goatee, but I've never looked good in a goatee. No, I would agree with that. You're better in the full beard. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you know we're grasping at straws here. There's just not much. I just yeah. not much I can do. I'm doing the best I yeah, can with well, what I have. It's 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 working. It's like, it's like Bill Burr says. You're, you're very handsome. Yeah, it's like Bill Burr says. I'm a solid five. It's like you, as yeah. long as you know where you stand, life is right. better. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, with that said, I think you're thinking about all the big things in life. What else are you doing this week? Oh, we're doing epic content marketing promotion, and we've got uh, 30 days till uh, early bird ends for Creator Economy Expo. And so I'm I'm looking for a few more sponsors and a, and a few more attendees. So we're we're hard at work doing the things that I never thought I would do again. How about you? <laughs> uh, just working, working, working. We got, we were blessed right now with a lot of good clients. We're working hard uh, on our consulting business and uh, yeah, and getting ready and just turned in the book. Oh yeah, congratulations. So, That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. It's been a ton of work. Um, so yeah, all good there. So it'll publish in September and yeah, just uh, weird weather here in Southern California oh, yeah, and just sort snow. of enjoying life. Unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that is it. Well, thank you very much to all of you out there. We will see you again next week. And just remember, until we see you, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing. Marketing.